Hey folks, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you've been listening to the Whitfield Report for a while and you're starting to think to yourself, hey, you know what? I could do this podcast thing, but where the hell do I start? Well, folks, I've had a lot of friends ask me that in the last few weeks, and I'm here to tell you all that Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You're damn right that's what I'm doing. And what I like about Anchor is that whether you're a novice or an expert, it's incredibly easy to use. They have uh, great tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast if you're a novice just starting out. Or if you're like me and you're an old pro at this, you can bring your own tools and record your audio and then upload the files yourselves. Whichever way you podcast, it's extremely easy to use Anchor, and I highly recommend them. So get started today by going to anchor.fm forward slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now go out there and make some podcasts. Well, hello there, folks, and welcome to this very special edition of the Whitfield Report. Today I'm celebrating my 10th anniversary of podcasting. I'm celebrating a day early on March 24th, 2018. I originally started podcasting on March 25th of 2008 when I was just 13 years old. And um, it's been one hell of a ride, ladies and gentlemen. I really appreciate every one of you who has followed me uh, over the years, whether you have followed me from the beginning, somewhere along the way, or if you're a brand new listener. I really appreciate everyone who has listened uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on tonight's podcast going down memory lane, uh, but I do take a few minutes in the podcast uh, just to give my thanks. So, folks, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I will have a best of podcast tomorrow evening um, celebrating the accomplishments of this show. Um, kind of a compilation, a best of, of all my uh, interviews and podcasts I've done over the years tomorrow. And it's going to be exclusive for podcast listeners of the audio podcast. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. And uh, folks, without further ado, I hope you enjoy tonight's live show. We have a lot of great topics to cover, so let's get to it.
And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Whitfield Report. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, broadcasting live from the NGC TV studios here in South Florida. And we are also brought to you by AmericanWatchmen.org, as always. And folks, thank you for tuning in so much. It's a very uh, special show tonight. It's the uh, 10-year anniversary show since I've been podcasting. Now, I know a lot of you are new listeners slash followers of mine. Uh, since the Whitfield Report launched. So let me explain a little bit of history to some of you. Uh, back when I was in 8th grade, uh, so back in 2008, I just became really interested in politics, and I had been uh, listening to talk radio for a while, and um, podcasting was basically an unknown format at the time. I mean, podcasting was around, but in order to listen to them, you had to physically download them to your iPod because not not too many people had iPhones at the time yet. It wasn't like today or really there weren't any smartphones out there, so you'd physically have to download podcasts onto your iPod and uh, listen to them. And uh, there weren't too many podcast hosts at all out there either. Um, so I think I ended up like hosting my podcast on Blogger and then putting the audio files like on uh, Depot on deposit files or uh, one of those old sites, but I can't remember. It was kind of a mess, and I started a podcast, and my very first episode was uh, just me talking about stuff, and uh, also, my voice was not as deep as it is now. Obviously, I'm a full-grown man uh, now, but when I started the uh, when I started this, when I started podcasting uh, ten years ago, I mean, I I was I was a kid for all intents purposes. I mean, and I I sounded like one too. Um. So, uh, first two years didn't really become popular. I I, I really didn't even become really that well known until 2012, and uh, that was when I changed the name of my podcast to The Whitfield Analysis, and uh, really took off then, and then I've, I did the show under that name for a number of years, and um, then I'm, then I moved here to Florida, continued that show, and then Pretty much last year, I decided to. Well, I took a I took a hiatus, kind of at the end of uh, 2016, 
and uh, reformatted the show completely. And uh, the show is now called the the Whitfield Report. So that's kind of just a brief history of the podcast the last 10 years, trying to do a little bit of a crash course. And uh, it's been fun. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the next year brings for me in terms of podcasting. We've all... I've already had a good year with uh, lots of guests, and uh, I'm hoping to continue the trend. So without further ado, folks, I I don't want to get too struck on uh, going down memory lane, because I still have a lot of current events that I want to cover, but just laying down some... uh, basic contact info as usual you can follow me on twitter up here at samdbrown underscore ngc hashtag whitfield report you can visit my website at thesamwhitfield.com down below here um you can like the facebook page at facebook.com forward slash whitfield report and um you can uh, you can download the podcast on iTunes. Um, okay. We also have live chatters, uh, tonight. So if you're, you are, if you are watching on the video stream on Facebook, you can comment live. And, um, and, uh, Carrie, I don't know if you can, uh, if you can hear this yet or not, probably not. Uh, try refreshing the page if it hasn't um, done that for you. Here, let me let me mess. Let me just let me just uh, respond to Carrie here real real quick. Um. The, the show should be alive, so um, at least it's showing that I'm live here on the podcast, uh, here on my end. Huh, so, yeah, try refreshing, folks, if it's not giving you uh, a, a good time. That's just, that's just um, kind of what I would recommend doing. Uh, usually the stream on Facebook is pretty good. Um, the reason why I stream the show live on Facebook as opposed to YouTube is just because it's, uh, better. Okay, uh, Troy, it's, it's working for you. Um, thank you. Um, so anyway, let's dive into a couple of topics I, I do want to get the show started, so if if you guys are having technical difficulties, I do apologize. You'll be able to watch this later, or you'll be able to catch it on uh, iTunes as an audio podcast. Uh, first topic I want to talk about. Apparently the uh, March for Life, uh, or the March for Our Lives uh, protest happened in Washington, D.C. today, and uh, that's 
the march that was led by Parkland students to uh, protest gun violence. And I, I tweeted out a couple videos uh, from Lee Stranahan um, earlier today on my Twitter feed. And essentially, Lee was walking around uh, filming, the, or he was on Periscope, he was Periscoping the protest, and the media is all, is saying that, like, hundreds of thousands of people uh, were at this event, but it seems like, in reality, from what I saw on this Periscope, the, uh, the march wasn't that big. Yeah, there, there were, there were a couple thousand people, but the March for Life um, protest, which was the pro-life march a few months ago, that had more people in D.C. And then same with the Women's March. That was actually uh, bigger. So it's interesting to me that the media is reporting the March for Our Lives protest as a big, huge thing. I'm not really surprised that they're doing this. Obviously, they're, they're trying to drum this up to be uh, more than it is. And again, as I've said on this podcast before, I don't think anyone in their right minds is advocating for more mass shootings. And that's something that David Hogg and company have gotten wrong uh, repeatedly. The NRA isn't responsible for this, uh, the shooting in Florida at all. So why Hogg and company are continuing this narrative? Well, I know why they're continuing the narrative. It's for political purposes, but they're just shooting themselves in the foot, uh, quite literally at this point, ladies and gentlemen, and that should be fairly obvious. Now... Someone sent me a clip uh, on Thursday, I think it was. Uh, it was. Someone posted this, uh, dm this clip to me on Facebook. And it's an uncensored uh, interview with David Hogg. And keep in my, mind, actually, let me, let me show you something here, here, folks, because this will actually illustrate the point that I am going to make. So I'm, I'm pulling up my browser uh, here real quick. And uh, I'm going to go to Twitter because I, I want to show you guys something that I, that I actually fa find to be uh, pretty interesting, all things considered. Um, yeah, and yes, I know that David Hogg has been, uh, kind of a subject slash person of interest of mine for a few weeks on the podcast, but hey, what, what can I, what can I say, ladies and gentlemen, he's, he is somewhat fascinating, I'll, I'll give him that, um, and... You know, now he's the latest teen political activist, which is what I 
which is what I once was when I was a teenager. So, uh, you know, I've I've got to see what the what the future uh, you know what the future activists are, even if I don't agree with them uh, politically. So here's um here's David Hogg's Twitter, and let me zoom in here. I want you guys to focus on uh, this first uh, tweet here, and it says, uh, "Can we please not debate this as Democrats and Republicans, but discuss this as Americans?" In the comments, if you see someone you disagree with, do not attack each other. Talk to one another. This applies to me, too. We must work together to save our future. Okay. Now, for those of you listening on the audio podcast, the tweet I just read is David Hogg's uh, pinned tweet from March 11th. So... He's crafted this narrative, at least on his Twitter feed, ladies and gentlemen, that, you know, he's all about wanting to come together and he doesn't want division in this country anymore. You know, he's he's totally against that. He uh, He's not doing this for political purposes at all. And anyone who has been paying attention really knows that this has not been true at all, that he obviously is being uh, used as a political propagandist for the left. Well, not even so much uh, being used. He seems to be more than willing to fall in line with the, the left uh, talking points. Um, but there have always been... Um, But there, there have always been some, um, you know, the the media has done a really good job of trying to cover him up and you know trying to make him look presentable. Uh, but but last night I I saw this clip and I guess it's from like an interview with a web magazine called Opinion dot com and this uncensored censored interview he does. Uh, I'll play the clip for you. Basically, he he goes ahead and basically uses the most profane language ever, and you know basically says that the NRA and basically all of conservatives are his political enemies, and he's going to destroy them. Uh, this clip ha- has made the rounds on the web a little bit, bit, but it's not as viral as I think it should be, and not a lot of people have seen this yet. But then again, it did come out uh, late Thursday uh, evening, Friday, and I know not a lot of people pay attention to politics then. So anyway, I'm going to play this clip and break it down for you guys. And uh, fair warning. I know my podcast has an explicit tag on it uh, to begin with, but for those of you watching on Facebook or YouTube, I I do want to warn you, um, this clip does contain some profane language uh, from David Hogg himself, so viewer discretion is advised.
pathetic fuckers that want to keep killing our children. They could have blood from children spattered all over their faces and they wouldn't take action because they all still see those dollar signs. Are you exhausted? I'm beyond exhausted. Is it energizing, this exhaustion? Is it an energizing exhaustion? Yeah, it's, it's just as energizing as it is exhausting at this point. I get to a certain point where I get so tired that I just keep going. It creates a positive feedback loop in some ways, where the more stress and work that I put on me, the more work and stress that I can deal with. Well, at this point, it's like when you're when your old ass parents like, I don't know how to send an iMessage, and you're just like, give me the fucking phone, and you take him, you're like, okay, let me handle it, and you get it done in one second. Sadly, that's what we have to do with our, go our government because our parents don't know how to use a fucking democracy, so we have to. We think. Our parents don't know how to use a fucking democracy, so we have to. Okay, now, uh, just a few minutes ago, in fact, I'll pull up, I'll pull up the screen again, ladies and gentlemen, because this really is striking here. Okay, just a few minutes ago, I showed you this tweet where Hogg said, can we please not debate this as Democrats and Republicans? And yet, he's already referring to the NRA and gun advocates as motherfuckers and he's just using profane language. The other thing that he does, which I find to be just absolutely disgusting, is he brings up the the example of when uh, of when parents don't know how to use iMessage, and so you know they're technically challenged, so he just does it for them. Well, part of me has to wonder if he actually does that to to his own parents. Right, because, or if he does that to other family members, you know, if he if he just does that, um, and uh, you know, his, his use of language, and, and here's the thing, folks, I, it's not the profanity that bothers me. Okay, I think everyone from time to time swears. I know I fucking do sometimes. Uh, I I just did that to be funny and kind of prove a point. Um, I have no problem with him being profane, and that's what the left is going to say. My point is, oh, Sam's just being a, a Puritan who um, is afraid of curse words um, and whatnot. Um, right, it's, it, so, uh, in the comments, I, I want to read a couple of these comments, uh, off to you, and then we'll get back to the, uh, we'll get back to the clip. Uh, Troy, Troy Webster in the chat room says, uh, does Florida have a civics requirement for high school? Uh, Troy, I am not a native of Colorado, so I honestly have no idea, actually, if, if this is true or not. Um, I honestly don't know. Um, 
Troy also said a little while ago that Hogg is a Soros uh, Bloomberg puppet. Well, again, I'm not. It depends on what, it depends on what you mean by that. Troy, I don't necessarily believe. Uh, there are some conspiracy theories out there about David Hogg uh, that this whole thing was kind of pre-planned, uh, you know, before the shooting, and that he was going to, you know, immediately be staged as a as a trial of the actor to take the guns away. I honestly don't believe that's the case. However, what I do believe happened is, I think uh, after the after this happened, I I think the the gun uh, groups, the anti-gun groups, I should say, started finding, trying to find someone, and uh, David Hogg uh, became convenient. They discovered him and kind of made him. And uh, yeah, Troy, you're absolutely right. It is the attitude in his tone. Uh, I want to continue with this clip. Um, Sorry to break it up with so much commentary, but I do want to play this clip for you in its entirety because I I do think it's important that we can that we analyze th- this thing fully. Uh, so anyway, uh, cut number two, go. Fuckers are out there that want to continue to sell more guns, murder more children, and honestly just get reelected. Where what do? You think what sick fuckers are out there that want to continue to sell more guns, murder more children, and honestly just get reelected? Where? What type of person are you when you want to see more fucking money than children's lives? How, what type of shitty person does that? And like, there's this whole—I mean, the way that they're talking about it now, the way Rick Scott has been talking about it is like, when the shooter arrives, we need a metal detector it, it, and a guard. Point, with Rick Scott, it's like, when I get elected to Senate, we're not going <laughs> to let that fucking happen, and you guys better not. He's like, oh, I'm going to impl- Now, if you guys are watching on, on the YouTube, uh, or, no, I'm sorry, if you guys are watching on the live stream video version of this, you can obviously see that Hog gets very, um, he gets very uh, aggressive, even towards the audience. You guys better not fucking, uh, let Rick Scott get elected to Senate. Which, by the way, kid, with your attitude, I'm even more determined to make sure that Rick Scott, that every pro-gun, pro-liberty conservative gets into Congress. I mean that was kind of my motivation to begin with, but now with now with your piece of shit attitude, I'm even more determined. Um, and honestly, folks, David Hogg knows, or he should know, that no, Paul, Republicans don't want to see more dead kids. They don't. They don't care about money over kids. That is an that is an asinine thing to say. You could perhaps argue that their uh, policies aren't uh, that benef- aren't beneficial, or that their policies may hurt. That's an argument that you could make. 
I'm not saying that that's the right argument, but that's a better way of phrasing things than just saying, oh, they don't care about kids. And I, I think David Hogg actually knows that because, mark my words, the, see, what a lot of conservatives don't understand it about David Hogg, a lot of them have said that he's stupid, okay? David Hogg is not a stupid kid. I mean, yeah, he 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 does have uh, a major uh, social media following. He is a public figure, but he's also, in some ways, played the game to get to this point, which does not take a total. Which it takes more than a total idiot to do what he's doing. He's he's not someone like Paris Hilton who's just uh, running around, you know, with the tabloids. You know, he is an activist, and that does take some skill. Uh, anyway, continuing on, we only have a minute left in this clip, and then I'll break it down for you in total. Implement all of these amazing things. Let me make sure I do it right before my election for Senate when I try calling out Bill Nelson. He's turning this political. So do you see you see that as opportunistic? I mean, he's oh, it's absolutely opportunistic. He does not give a fuck about these kids' lives at all. He only cares about his reelection. That's why this stuff is being implemented in a year, not today. What is striking to me about this is that you guys seem to be have such mastery of the internet in a way that I feel like I mean, literally any politician pretty much doesn't can't even approach it. And that's the great thing about it because those fuckers aren't going to get reelected. But on the internet, they're on they're on your turf essentially. Like this is the way I think about it. But like you actually have to take that turf and take it to theirs, which is like making laws happen, getting people elected, mm -hmm. or making sure people well, don't get elected. I mean, and when you when you start hearing from your political aides that there's a shitload of angry future voters, you start to worry a little bit. Unless your political aides are the ones who are telling people that they're crisis actors, like yeah, I'd love to meet that. Hey, if you're out there, fuck you. <laughs> Well, uh, kid, I pretty much, I pretty much am out there, and, uh, if you want to say fuck you to me, then, uh, I recommend that you come on my show, bro. I've tweet, I've tweeted at you, I've, uh, I've, I've invited you, I, I would love to have a sit-down discussion with you. I mean, heck, I'll, I'll... I'll DM you a, a location. I'm, I'm not going to invite you over to my place uh, because I don't trust you that much uh, not to dox me. But, you know, we're both in Florida, so we could probably meet halfway somewhere. I'll, I'll bring my uh, I'll bring my laptop. We can do a setup and. Uh, yeah, we can we can debate one on one and uh, I'll live stream it so that it won't be uncut. And I know a whole bunch of other people have invited Hogg to debate. Other teenage conservatives, by the way. Now, folks, I have touched a little bit on this before, but I, I think it bears repeating more in depth. I have a theory as to why David Hogg is so popular. Are you guys paying attention in the chat room? Good, because I, I think that this 
that this is going to... It might not be mind-blowing, but, but once you guys hear it, it'll make sense. The reason why David Hogg and all of these anti-gun activists uh, from Parkland are becoming so are becoming so popular now. The reason why they're in in the popular, the reason why they're uh, you know so big in the eye of the public now is because of me, ironically, and because of young conservative activists like Charlie like Charlie Kirk, like myself, um, like Sarah and Samantha Hagmeyer. Basic basically, folks, here's been my here's been my whole premise on David Hogg. Okay? And this is kind. This is kind of fitting since I'm doing my 10 year anniversary show uh, tonight, folks. But when I when I first started podcasting, there was a myth going around that conservatism was completely dead among the youth at the time, and and the youth, the youth, the middle school, the high school, and the college age kids, which at the time were millennials. When I started, you know, we, everyone was led to believe that conservative principles and conservative and, and libertarian ideas were strictly for old people and that the conservative movement had no future. Okay? And that is one of the reasons why I started the podcast was because I wanted to prove to the world that there are young people who believe in conservative principles and there are, uh, you know, like-minded conservative and libertarian um, millennials. And I, I didn't care if I was the one who was doing it. But I, I figured even if I was, one voice would be better than none. So that's that's what my that's what my mission was. Um, uh, you know, when I started this thing ten years ago, and um, Zach says, if this is all if this is all your fault, Sam, maybe we should call you Sam Hogfield. Well, um. You know, if this is, I mean, in all seriousness, Zach, it could be my my fault partially. But my other point is, is around the time I really started becoming active on Twitter and other social media, the more conservative social media grew and the more my podcast grew, other teenage conservatives started popping up and we started networking with each other and connecting with each other uh, and building a movement. Some individuals, uh, granted, didn't last long. Uh, some are better. Some, uh, you know, turned out to be uh, DNC plants. Some of them, some of them turned liberal but for the most part, there there began to be a a massive 
uh, movement of millennial conservatives slash libertarians slash what have you. Basically, anyone who uh, was into pro-First Amendment, first pro-Second Amendment, you know, liberty-oriented individuals in the millennial movement, we all started coming together. And all that really culminated in 2016 during the uh, Trump election with the babes, with the... uh, with the MAGA movement and the Babes for Trump movement, uh, which, you know, I, ironically, well, not so much ironically, but, you know, I, I got to give credit where credit was due. Um, you know, the, the female wing of, you know, the MAGA movement, the, the hotties for Trump and the Babes for Trump, they actually did more for us as a movement, um, than even I did. Sex does sell, ladies and gentlemen. I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie. Or, or sex appeal, I should say, sells. But um, anyway, regardless of what millennial conservatives were doing, the point was we got Trump elected in big numbers. And so the left finally had to admit that we exist. They have finally had to admit that we exist. They can no longer say, oh, uh, conservative millennials, uh, they, they don't exist or they're like a, they're like a small, small minority. No. We're out there. So, now the Dems, after the 2016 teen election, they're scared. They're scared shitless. They're wondering, what do we do? What do we do? We had colleges. We had K through 12. And Generation Z is becoming even more conservative than the millennials. They're even, they're more conservative. They're not buying into any of our SJW propaganda in the schools. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Well, they started searching, ladies and gentlemen, and as Rahm Emanuel once famously said, never let a serious crisis go to waste. That was his famous line after Obama's first election. I don't have that clip uh, here tonight, but Google it on YouTube. I, I'm I'm sure it's up there, although, you know, knowing I just said that, Google might try and scrub all evidence of that that clip, but it is out there. And so, now the left is trying to organize their, they're basically trying to create their version of the conservative youth movement, so to speak. And the, and so, David Hogg Look, I, I've said this before. If it, I do feel bad for him in the sense that he had to go through the shooting. I I do genuinely feel for him having to go through this, but the fact that he has turned 
the shooting into an opportunity to become a major political activist and gain fame and, you know, possibly even a small fortune. I mean, I don't know if he's being paid for this, but I would assume he is making money, you know, maybe from media interviews or something. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, basically, the left has chosen to make him their Sam Whitfield, their Charlie Kirk, you know, their fill-in the name of any one of my colleagues or myself, and that's kind of who David Hogg is, along with a couple of these other activists. The fact that the fact that the left is now trying to imitate us is actually kind of flattering. But as you can see from David Hogg's little uncensored video clip, uh, he's not doing it too well. He has a great game of, you know, on Twitter trying to be a great uniter, but, uh, yeah. He's, he's edgy, he's edgy in punk rock to SJ, to SJWs. Yeah, Troy, that, that's true, but even, even more so. See, here's the thing. Conservatism is the new punk rock. Conservatism is the new hipsterism. We're the, we're the outcast. We're kind of like the, we're the, uh, underground rock stars now. Um... You know, we're the, we're the ones who are kind of uh, taking back the the counterculture with uh, people like Milo and, and Mike Cernovich. Uh, granted, neither of those two are millennials per se, but they're not boomers either. They're trying to capture, the left is trying to capture what we have, and they're not doing a very good job of it, and... As you saw, David Hogg was very quick to lose to lose his temper, and I know that some other uh, teenage. I know that some see. I'm in college now, so I'm not a teenage conservative anymore. I'm still a young conservative, but I'm not, I can't claim to be a teenage conservative. Um, by the way, quick shout out. I do want to give a shout out to my friend uh, Matt who run who runs the, uh, the Teenage Conservative, Conservative page, uh, Matt Hall, he's a, he's a good guy, and, um, he runs the Teenage Conservative page over on Facebook, so go give him a like, um, there, there's your shout out, Matt, I finally got around, around to it, anyway, um, other Teenage Conservatives have invited, David Hogg to debate. Well, Kyle Kashov, who is also a Parkland school shooter, he and a Parkland school shooter shooting survivor, um, he actually invited David Hogg to uh, debate multiple times, and David Hogg still hasn't um, taken up him up on the invitation. So it just goes to show that the kid is not a very good debater. Alright, um, and, you know, so long story short with that, I think that the, uh, 
the, the March for Out for Our Lives thing, it, it'll be interesting to see in the aftermath how much, you know, of an impact it actually makes because I think it's just being blown out, out of proportion by the media. Alright, moving on to uh, other topics. Because I, I don't want to spend uh, too much more time on David Hogg, but I, I, I want to switch over to something uh, more entertaining. So, uh, Roseanne Barr was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel's show last night, I believe. And, uh, you know, most people know by now that Jimmy Kimmel is kind of like the Pope of liberal Hollywood now, basically taking up every SJW uh, cause on his own. And, I mean, he's become so far to the left, it's not even funny. Well, Roseanne Barr actually voted for Trump in this uh, last election. And say what you will about Roseanne Barr. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of hers by any means. And she does kind of come off as like your, your crazy aunt. There's no denying that. Uh, but she called Jimmy Kimmel out on basically just how far he left he's gotten. And uh, it was great. Um, she was on his show last night along with John Goodman to uh, promote the return of uh, Roseanne, which I, I guess is being relaunched, and uh, after this exchange on the show, ladies and gentlemen, I, I bet it's going to be uh, huge. So uh, I'm going to cue the clip up here for a sec. Uh, so this is uh, this is Roseanne Barr on the uh, on the Jimmy Kimmel show last night. Uh, cut number one, go. <laughs> now, one of the things on the show, which I know, like, a lot of the television critics got very excited about this, fa the fact that Roseanne Connor is a Trump supporter on the show. Well, she did vote for the president. She voted for the president. Yep, she and, did. And she, uh, and then, and that is part of, I don't want to give anything away, but that's part of the dynamic with you and your family on that show. Now, yeah, and in real life. And it's real like life. everybody's family is uh, pissed off at each other for one thing or the other. Is your family mad at you? Well, you know, we had some pro-Hillary's and some pro-Trump, right. and there was a lot of fighting. Weren't you a friend of Hillary, like a good friend of Hillary Clinton's at one point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. You were. Yeah. And what, ha what happened that, now I know you, you're very, very Why down on her. This? What happened? Down on her. Well, you, I think you um, accused her of being a murderer on Twitter, didn't you? I did not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As in, you know I'm going to find that tweet in the next 40 seconds, it. right? So <laughs> so that tweet that you not, never tweeted and then problems. deleted. I had some I had some disagreement uh -huh. with her foreign policy. I see with her foreign Okay. One quick observation to make here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Jimmy Kimmel has to be the biggest soy boy in in Hollywood. Uh, also, because keep in mind, um, well, 
you guys saw right there, uh, Roseanne pretty much just bit his head off, and, uh, figuratively, of course, and, uh, what did he do? He just kind of, uh, laughed nerv nervously. Uh, by the, by the way, I, I forgot that, uh, John Goodman was on that show, and I, I love John, John Goodman, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting Walter Sobchak vibes right now. Um, for those of you who like the Big Lebowski, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so it's, it's good to see Walter there, too. Foreign policy. <laughs> and you like Trump? Yeah, she policy? had one. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Dan's character is not... Did you? Did you agree with her foreign policy? Listen, th never mind her foreign policy. How about Captain Wacko we got running the country here? I mean, the foreign policy... I'm shocked because I know you're a, you were a very... Okay, so she asks she asks Kimmel about what he thought of Hillary's foreign policy, and he just uh, redirects and says, "What about Trump's foreign policy?" You know, Kimmel is not a political guy. He he really isn't. He's he's a comedian trying to do politics. Um, but, you know, political, political satire, it's pretty obvious to me that it's not even in his forte. He, he's, he's no, uh, Adam Carolla, which, uh, I know is a bit of a stinger because he used to be friends with Adam Carolla, but I, I digest, I digress. And he's certainly no, um, he is certainly no, um, Dennis Miller either. And he couldn't even answer Roseanne's question about her foreign policy, which tells me that he didn't know anything about uh, Hillary's foreign policy at all. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is great. It gets even better as we go on. Liberal, socially liberal person in general. I mean, I'm still the same. You all moved. <laughs> we did. You all went so. F far out you lost everyone <laughs> i mean seriously You're probably right by a the lot way. of your audience and including me i just want to say this jimmy a lot of us you know no matter who we voted for we don't want to see our president fail right you know right i know and yet, we don't want pants. and yet we've seen it over again Are you, you want pants you want pants for oh, the no. freaking president no i don't want well then either. zip that uh -oh. This is kind of what the show is like, by the yeah. way. I was bad again. But you did really hit upon something great, I think, in Thank that you. you've got this dynamic that real people are really experiencing where parts of their family are, are on right. one side and the other parts. And now it's really, it's not like we just kind of overlook it like we used to. In I know, like when Trump won, you know, my whole family was with me because that's around my birthday. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, she'll probably get really mad at me for saying this, but one of my daughters, she will remain nameless. I mean, she's was you just... give her a name already. I mean, really. Because <laughs> well, he can narrow it down. <laughs> well, I have three daughters. Right, okay. And they're all in their 40s, you know. Right. 
And so the, the one daughter, she just started weeping. And she's like, this is the end of our, you know, they're going to deport all of our gays and all this, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> I said, just chill. Just uh -huh. chill, you know. Try to think positive for, like, why people wanted a change. Mm -hmm. And it's up to the people. Here's my two cents, damn it. Okay. It's up to us to make this government work, no matter who's president. It's up to us to do our jobs as citizens. And if we don't like something, you know, let them know you don't like it. And then you got another election in two years. Get out there and vote. Change it if that's you don't a very, like it. That's very good. I mean, you can't argue with that. Mic drop. And, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, that was Roseanne Barr basically uh, schooling Jimmy Kimmel, and and I'm 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 glad I well I suppose it had to be her because I mean Jimmy won't have Adam Carolla on anymore. At least I don't think he will. Um, but that was uh that was great. I may I may actually have to start watching this uh show now because uh you know even though even though i don't have cable which is going to be a bit my conundrum but um that was uh that was just great hearing uh her whoop kimmel's ass and i, I mean and i mean at one point even admits that she's right about how far off they they went and uh Absolutely fantastic. Well, folks, um, it's about that time. Uh, we're coming to the close of our show. Uh, real quick, I do want to mention that tomorrow is the actual anniversary of the uh, podcast, of when I started uh, doing the show. Um, but I decided to do the live broadcast tonight, but what I'm going to do, uh, for tomorrow is I'm basically going to, uh, create a compilation of basically a best of, of all my, uh, best moments, some of my early moments and the interviews, and that will be for the audio podcast exclusively. So, so you'll be able to download that tomorrow evening. Um, I think that drops around uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, refresh the feeds, and uh, as always, you can stay up to date with me on the Facebook page and uh, on my Twitter feed as well. And again, you can go to uh, com for all the information. And folks, I just want to thank everyone for, for tuning in and Thank you especially for supporting me over these past 10 years. Uh, whether you've known me since then or whether you've met me more recently, it's been an honor to uh, be able to bring this show to you every week um, in one form or another. And I genuinely appreciate the audience and the friends that I've made because of this podcast. I want to thank you for listening. Good night, God bless, and God save this great nation. I'll see you next week, folks.